Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me again for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I know that because of the way things work, whether you're listening to this on a podcast or watching it on a YouTube video, you could be watching it any day of the year. Now, I'm recording this close to the Christmas season in 2021, but I'm titling it The Joy of Christmas Every Day, and you'll see what I'm talking about as we get into this a little bit. When you really understand what God wants for you, I think you will celebrate the joy of Christmas every day, all day. So what does God want for you above all else, way above all else? What is God's greatest desire, God's purpose for you? What does God expect the end result to be for you? Well, obviously, that's subjective. That's a matter of different people's opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion today. And it's found in the Christmas story, in the very beginning of the Christmas story. We're going to see, my opinion, what Christmas is all about. And it's summed up in one word. Most likely, it's not the first word that comes to mind. Many of you know the old joke that I like to tell kid in Sunday school. The teacher says, okay, tell me what this is, kids. Imagine in your mind it's an animal. It's about a foot long. It's reddish brown. It's got four legs, a big bushy tail. It stores up nuts for the winter. And, you know, little Johnny said, I know, I know, I know. It's Jesus. I mean, it sounds like a squirrel, but we know the answer is always Jesus. Well, this time the answer is not Jesus at least not directly anyway, but Jesus does make the answer possible. Now, the story of Jesus, of course, is told in Scripture in what we call the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the original meaning of our word gospel may surprise you. The English word gospel, when it first started using it, they translated a Greek word evangelon, and in English, the original word of it meant this, the good, merry, glad, and joyful tidings that make a man's heart glad and makes him sing and dance and leap for joy. That's the original meaning in English. And I think it's pretty close to what the Greek word was. I'm not a Greek scholar, of course, but here it is again. The gospel is the good, merry, glad and joyful tidings that make a man's heart glad and makes him sing, dance, and leap for joy. Now, just looking at that statement, that definition, what is the end result of the gospel? It's the last word in that statement. It's joy. Everything else leads up to and manifests as joy. The good, merry, glad, and joyful tidings that makes a man heart glad and makes him sing and dance and leap for joy. Joy is the result of 
understanding the gospel. In some denominations, they have catechisms, and one of those is the Westminster Catechism. And the first one is, they say, the chief purpose for which man is made is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Well, joy comes from a Greek word, kara. Same Greek word, charis, is what grace comes from. They both come from the same root Greek word. And it means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. Joy is the end result of the gospel. Yes, Jesus did several things. God did several things. I understand all of that. But the end result is so that we would have joy. Look at what Jesus says is recorded in Luke 6, 21 to 23. This is the Passion Translation. Jesus said, you all are going to be enriched, filled, completely satisfied, content, and favored. You will celebrate and dance with overflowing joy, laugh with unrestrained joy, and the heavenly reward of your faith will be abundant. Jesus said in that particular instance, Here's what's going to be the end result of you knowing me and following me. You're going to be enriched and filled and completely satisfied and content and favored. You will celebrate and dance with overflowing joy and laugh with unrestrained joy. And the heavenly reward of your faith will be abundant. Then it goes on to say, looking intently at his followers, Jesus began his sermon, how enriched you become. This is Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Mount. How enriched you become when you're a beggar before you will experience the reality of God's kingdom. How filled you become when you're consumed with hunger and desire for you will be completely satisfied. How content you become when you weep with complete brokenness for you will laugh with unrestrained joy. How favored you become When you are hated and excommunicated or slandered or when your name is spoken of as evil because of your love for me, the son of man. Verse 23, I promise you that as you experience these things, you will celebrate and dance with overflowing joy and the heavenly reward of your faith will be abundant. The end result of knowing and following Jesus after we go through different things that we go through, not just in the end after this, but each day, whatever it is, when we really know the true meaning of the gospel, the end result is overflowing joy. The mirror says it this way in Luke 21 to 23. This is Jesus talking. You are blessed with a brand new reference of a far greater reality where you are abundantly sustained and fully satisfied in lush green pastures. Your reason for weeping is now transformed into blissful laughter and ecstatic joy. That's verse 21. If any of you have ever heard Francois de Toit or his wife Lydia teach, if you've ever met them in person and spent time with them, as I've been privileged to do, their life is just consumed. It's they manifest blissful laughter and ecstatic joy because they get it. 
He goes on to say, verse 22, your blissful state of joy remains uninterrupted when, because of your association with Jesus as the Son of Man, people hate and defriend and gossip and block and exclude you or even slander and embarrass you by dragging your name through the mud, making you out to be somebody evil. Well, those of us who really understand grace, the finished work of Jesus, unconditional love for all, God is pure light with no trace of darkness or anything. Unfortunately, you know that many people hate us, defriend us, gossip us, block and exclude us, even slander and embarrass us by dragging our name through the mud and making us out to be somebody evil. Well, we really shouldn't be surprised at that because that's what they did to Jesus and the apostle Paul and to Peter and the others. He says, your social standing and recognition is no longer based on how popular you are in the typical religious world. Ain't that the truth? Then Francois says in verse 23, speaking as Jesus, hey, instead of sulking about it, click your heels and do a happy dance. You are tapped into heaven's currency and cannot be bought. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. These religious leaders who are so stoked on their currency of condemnation and judgment are the very same fanatics who murdered your fathers, the prophets, Jesus said, who saw my day. Now, that happy dance thing comes from an old Hebrew word that I can't pronounce that means to leap for joy. Leaping for joy would be a happy dance. That's the result of really knowing who Jesus is, what the gospel is, who God really is, who we are, and who all people are. That's the result of it. So let's look at the Christmas story. And I'm just going to go through a few verses of it. Luke chapter two from the Passion Translation. That night in the field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. They were scared to death. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid. I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news in the world, the merry, glad, good tidings that make a man fairly leap with joy, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a savior, rescuer, was born for you. He is the Lord, Yahweh, the Messiah. Now, in verse 10 there, that was the passion. In verse 10 of the mirror, it says, The celestial messenger, angel, immediately calmed them when they were afraid and said, You have no reason to fear. Listen, I have the most wonderful announcement to make. This will lead to the great encounter of the most joyful bliss for every single person on the planet. That, my friends, is the result of Jesus coming, Emmanuel being one with us. That's the result of Jesus' ministry. That's the result of Jesus' finished work at the cross. That's the result that God wants us to experience Every day, all day, the great encounter of the most joyful bliss for every single person on the planet. Go back to when Jesus was prophesied in Isaiah, starting Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness have been illuminated with light. You, God, have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. 
they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. That's what was predicted would happen with Jesus coming. Now, I want to do just a partial summary of some of the multitude of things that Jesus did when he came, when the incarnation, God with us. First of all, Jesus dispelled all notion of any separation between any human being ever. And Jesus revealed to us what God is like. God is one-way perfect, unconditional love for all people. And that love casts out any even thought of fear between us and God. God is pure light with no trace of darkness. God is perfect goodness for all people. God continually works all things for the good, culminating in the restoration of all things, not just all people, but all things. God is perfect peace, infinitely patient. God is goodness in action. That's kindness. God is always gentle. There's only one faith. God is faith, faith personified. God is all-powerful, and only uses power for good. God is mercy that endures forever. God is wisdom, right standing. God is glory. Jesus, God, saved us from the world's doctrinal system of darkness and believing in its fictitious, no good God. God forgave us for everything and took all sin away. Jesus showed us what grace is, over the top, more than abundant provision of whatever we need for life and godliness. Jesus created us, God created us, one with them, Father, Son, and Spirit, pure, holy, right without fault, sons and daughters of God forever. He did that before creation, before we came to earth. Now, when you really know those things, when you get them, when you think about them, when you meditate on them, when you ponder them, when you let the teacher in you, the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, the mind of Christ, show you those things and how unbelievably good they are, when you think about them, the result is... You are filled with overflowing joy. You radiate joy. You can't manufacture joy. You can't work it up. Memorizing Bible verses about joy doesn't do any good. I know. I tried it for years. Just asking God to give you joy doesn't help. See, you already have joy. You already have all the joy there is, unlimited joy. And you experience it, you manifest it when you think about who God really is, who you really are, and who everyone else really is, and how God is continually working all things for the good, the restoration of all people in all things forever. God knows the end of the story, and we can trust that even when we can't see anything good in the situation, he's working it for good. Now, that doesn't mean we, you know, just stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and jump up and down and say, praise the Lord, I'm full of joy when we get a bad report or lose a job or something like that. But it does mean we don't lose that inner joy and we're able to see the big picture as God does, as Christ in us does. And we know that God's in charge and we can trust him with whatever's going on and he's working all things for the good. Now, what does joy look like in you? Well, it doesn't look like a sad, frowny face. What are words of joy? Well, they're not words of complaining and talking about how bad everything is. What are looks of joy? <laughs> well, they're not dirty looks. They're not frowns. What are feelings of joy? Well, they're a little bit different for everybody, of course, but 
feelings of joy are much different than feelings of worry and angst and doubt and mistrust and focusing on negative things, focusing on the government, focusing on business, focusing on whatever. See, what's it like knowing the truth, knowing that Jesus, Papa, and Grace are the only true God and they are for you? When you think about that, joy is the end result. So when you find yourself, now I'm talking to myself here too. I've had to do that just today, more than once. When I find myself worrying about something or, you know, future tripping, catastrophizing, thinking about, oh no, this, it looks like this and that might happen and they might end up like this and I might end up. Well, that just sucks your joy right out of you. Religion sucks the joy right out of you. Religion's based on fear and separation and what you got to do to get right with God and how God's mad at you and all that kind of stuff. Don't think about those things. Don't play that game. Go away from those things. Joy is the end result of knowing the truth. I love to go back to the 23rd Psalm. Now, this is the Passion Translation. He says it this way. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. And Brian Simmons shows in the footnotes that the word there for shepherd and best friend is a Hebrew word, ra'ah, R-A apostrophe A-H, which means both shepherd and best friend. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Or he says, I lack nothing. And in the footnotes, he says, what a wonderful declaration over your life to never be in lack, always possessing more than enough. Our God meets our emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Verse two, He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of joy or bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. For you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. The last verse of the 23rd Psalm. So why would I fear the future? Boy, that's a question I got to ask myself and I encourage you to. So why would I fear the future? Now, listen to the rest of this. Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. We come from God before we come here. Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, before the world was ever created, God chose us to be his sons and daughters, made us right with him, forgave us of any sins we would ever, ever commit, and gave us every blessing there is in the heavenly realms. We came here, we were spirit beings, we came here to be humans, We were really, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And then the translator nails it here in verse six of Psalm 23. Why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, 
when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. The end result of everything is joy. I will be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. I will let my joy overflow for I am united with the anointed one. That's Philippians 4, verse 4. I will be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. I will let my joy overflow, for I am united with the anointed one. Folks, my personal goal, what I want to do, and I've been on this journey, I've been on it off and on during my life. And in this season of my life, the Lord is just impressing it on me more and more and more all, all the time. I have no reason not to experience joy or bliss because I know who God is. I know how good God is. I know God's love. I experience it. I know God's peace. I know God's grace. I know God's inclusion. I know who God is. I know that God is only good. I know that he has made me the same way, that I'm one with him. I know that Christ, Papa, Christ, grace live in me. I have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. They'll never leave me or forsake me. They are where I came from. We're one now, and they're where I'm going back to, and they're always working all things for the good. I have no reason not to experience joy. I get to choose on any given moment whether I'm going to experience joy or not. And it's my intention for me and my house we are going to experience joy. The good, glad, merry news that makes a man fairly jump with joy. We're going to talk more about that in the days and weeks to come. I hope you'll be with me. Hey, thank you all. I love all of you guys. If you haven't, whether you're listening to this on a podcast or watching on YouTube, if you would hit subscribe, if you like it, hit like and, and make a comment or two. One thing that helps is I know who's watching and who's listening, and I get to see how it impacts you. Another thing, it works with the algorithm, both on YouTube and on Facebook and on the platform for the podcast. And so when people search for things like joy, for example, then it will make this come up sooner in their search list. So I'd appreciate it if you do that. Love all you guys. I'll see you all next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.